Powered Hings, this is Mark here, and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. You're more than welcome. This is episode 173. Thank you to the thousands that tuned in to last week's episode on Monday, which was the two year anniversary. It's much appreciated. And a special thank you for all of the people. I've got hundreds of nice, supporting, well wishing messages. Um, I really appreciate it, and it hasn't went unnoticed. We are not slowing down here, we're only speeding up. New format today, I'm super excited. It's uh, Stronger Together, the people behind the logos. I'm gonna be speaking to a range of business owners from all around the country and beyond. Um, It won't be CEOs that are on talking about a multi-million hedge fund. It will be normal people, real people, just like me and you. We're gonna be discussing their passion, their work, their business, their struggles. It is a fantastic opportunity to get to know our business owners. I have three guests on today. Serena Norton from Heirloom, Aaron Mead from Finn McCool Creations, and Eva Noel from Eva Noel Photography. Couldn't have enjoyed this podcast anymore. Had so much fun with the three guys recording it. Uh, and thank you so much to each and every one of them for coming on for a short chat. You can email the podcast as always, clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. Keep up with all the latest conversations, solo podcasts, and amazing guests I have on the way. My name is Mark McCormack. Welcome to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. So how long have you been hairdressing? Um, Over 13 years now. Wow. Long time. (laughs) Yeah. You don't look old enough to be hairdressing 13 years. That's probably a compliment, is it? Yeah, well, sometimes. Whereas I'm 45 years of age and I look old enough to be podcasting 55 years. (laughs) There's a big difference there. Um, how did you get into it at the start? Um, at the start, straight after I left school, I started a false course because, well, I wanted to leave school early, but I just didn't like stuck it out, done the leaving search, and then just started a false course. Then I started in a local salon here in I think it was 2009 and started there as a trainee, you know, like sweeping floor, washing hair, and that. Yeah, yeah. Then worked my way up to basically manager there. Then we changed location. We were down at the back of Supermax, then moved up to Irish Town. Mm-hmm. Then was probably two years in, and the owner of the, that salon decided he wanted to do something different to get out of it, kind of. So then he gave me the opportunity to take over under his name, and it all kind of started from there. Yeah, it, it's it sounds like um an easy progression, but there was a lot of work involved. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. Like I was <laughs> twenty four at the time when I didn't yeah. have business courses done or anything. So it yeah. was either do it or always wonder like what it was going to be like and would I be able. So I just decided just do it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, but you know that false course. So like like that was obviously a hairdressing false course. But yeah. prior to that, did like. Did you seek out a false hairdressing course or was it just something that you seen and said, oh, I might just try that? Or did, did you like it prior to that, I wonder? Yeah, I liked it prior to that. Like, that's always what I wanted to do. And that was like the quickest way to kind of get in on it, to get experience, mm. to get into a salon. So you're doing what you wanted to do always and you're on your own business. So there'd be a lot of people jealous over that now, you know, there, there's not an awful lot of people that get to do what they want to do. Yeah, that's it. I actually, I do love my job. Like, it doesn't feel like work. Well, obviously, some days it does, like, but 
Yeah. But the, so when you finished the FOSS course and you went in, as you said, you got a job and you're sweeping floors and all that. Like at that point, did you not think, well, hang on for a minute, I'm after learning how to some degree of professionalism to do here and here. Well, that's kind of the road in every salon, isn't it? You have to sweep floors yeah. first. Yeah, you have to start from the bottom and work your way up. Like it's fine being in FOSS, but being in like a salon, it's totally different environment, a different pace. You have to learn everything. Yeah. Like it was totally different. <clears throat> but you like um like your customer base is very good, like you're extremely popular. Is that like um like obviously you're very good at your job and we'll actually talk about that in a minute, but I mean like you must have a good way with the customers. Um yeah, but you kind of have to. Like you have to like the salon, like it's all about customer service, like what the customers want and kind of keep it up with new trends and like keeping everything like even nice coffee and magazines and bits and pieces and then chatting to people and actually like you nearly become friends with clients you know that kind well, of thing. I nearly pop in myself can I do anything with this I wonder <laughs> coffee and <laughs> but you actually mentioned something there that I want to ask you was um you were saying keeping up with the latest trends. So like, obviously like everyone knows that when a doctor leaves med school, that like four years later, nearly 50% of everything they learned is now redundant. But yeah. we're like, you're obviously in constant training and then there's new things to come up all the time. How do you find the time to do that and run a business? Um, At the start, I don't know. Like I thought I always had to be in the salon and always needed to be here and be behind the chair. It wasn't going to work. And at the time, I thought that's the way it had to be done. But like you learn to be able to step away as well to do your training and leave your team here to run the place. You have good like, staff, so. Yeah, like that's good staff. You need good staff, people you can trust. Yeah. I hope other people take a page out of that book whereby... If you're getting good staff, you don't have to micromanage everything. It's um, there's a people a lot older than you that don't know that yet, you know. Yeah, you learn that pretty quick. Like either that, or you're just gonna burn out, and it's not gonna work. Yeah. Uh, just talk to me about this. So, how how many people work there at the moment? Is um, it all full time, or is it full time and part time, or what? How do you organize? Uh, there's four of us. So one of them is actually out on maternity. She'll be back in September. So there's two full time and one part time, and I'm full-time part-time between the two so four of yeah. us all together but with your staff then would they like um this might be a silly question but like would they have to have went down the same road as you where they went on a course and they came in and they'd be sweeping and making coffee at the start and building themselves up or can you hire someone who's what's the word maybe ready-made with a lot of experiences or some of that as well yeah someone that's qualified yeah you can but like in here we like to take someone that's not that experience and train them ourselves because then like everyone trains different so like if you get them before they learn any I don't want to say bad habits but you know you, you just did <laughs> I know then you can like teach them the way that you want them to be and the way the salon runs and works we find that better than someone that's qualified you know that kind yeah. of thing. that's um if you don't mind me that's actually brave to do that you know yeah you're trusting yourself you're trusting the staff that's there already that everyone will even in your absence do everything correctly yeah um that's a I, I i think that might be rare enough but you have to have that in the salon anyways because as you said it's customer focused and customer friendly and you're gonna you know mooring's gonna come in once a month to get the blue rinse or whatever like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to kind of know everybody isn't that it isn't it yeah 
you have to know everyone and then like the way it is if something's done wrong the customers will tell me anyway do you know so like it's just we all trust each other and everything is done the same by us all so that's why it works well yeah well that's actually uh, so if a customer says that they weren't 100% happy, how, how like, I mean, obviously that would have happened a lot when you were starting, probably not as much now, but I mean, when you're starting, you're probably hearing that every second or third, here do you do, you know, and you're going, oh my yeah. God. But how do you, um, how do you not let that get to you? Or how do you think, well, I'll be better next time? Or um, At the start, it does get to you. Does because it? you're thinking, like, oh, like, she didn't like the way I done it, or she didn't like me, or she didn't like this. <laughs> But then you learn that, like, not everyone sees, like, with a colour the same. Like, I see a colour different to what you do. And it's just, it could be just miscommunication. And then when you actually, like, speak to the person and you're like, so what was the actual problem? They're like, well, I thought it'd be this and it was that. And it's it's easy fix. So, like, I think once you learn not to take everything personal, that's... Yeah. When it works. That's where I probably find uh, trouble there now, you know. I'd say, yeah. well, you can lump it or like it, you know. But, uh, yeah. I won't be getting a job with you anytime soon. <laughs> but you know, like, um, that's what you were talking about, about building up kind of relationships. It's not like um, we'll do someone's hair once, it's returning business. So the, the, yeah. the more honest and open you are with each other and the nicer the coffee and the biscuits and the nicer the friendlier the staff, someone might come back more. Yeah. Is it? Do you find that, was that hard to do? Well, I suppose when... When you took over and it was your company, was there already a kind of a base of customers there already? Um, yeah, there would have been a customer base. So like there would have been for each stylist. So like mm. when you, like the customer kind of goes to the stylist more than the salon nearly. So they'll okay. stick with you, you know, that kind of way. Because they like what you do and the way you run things. So mm. Like I had my own ideas that I wanted to do and didn't want to have to ask permission to do them in yeah. you know, that kind of way. So that's why I decided like I didn't want someone else's name, I wanted my name. Yeah. Well that's yeah. That's cool. Takes a lot of bottle and I congratulate you for that. But here we go on a couple of questions. So you started running the business when you were so young. You said you had no business course, you didn't know anything, and yeah. like how you know, there, there'll be people watching this who are in business and maybe finding it hard, or there'll be people watching this who might live not even in Ireland or north or south of the country that want to start a salon. Like, how how did you, um, what do you think it was about you that made you go ahead with it with so much uncertainty? Not with your skill of kind of running the place or, 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 or doing different styles or training staff, as you said, but what made you think that you'd be able to, you know, like, do the finances and the books and get things in and overheads and particularly at such a young age um I don't know really I just thought like I can learn how to do all that yeah like I can learn how to like I got a really good accountant and the way we worked it was I don't ask him to cut hair he doesn't ask me to do his job we just work <laughs> well together so like and he anything I needed I went to him and asked and he told me and obviously I did courses since and I've done bits and pieces like that but it was either we were either going to close the salon and I would have to get a job somewhere else or I could just be my own boss like it was kind of you wanted to be your own boss it was extremely brave at such a young age to do that and it's not as if it was a 
And then when like the trouble starts, you'll run away. Or as you said, you're there a long time now. Just I suppose for anyone that doesn't know, where exactly are you situated? Uh, now we are John Roderick Street, Irish Town. So down the side of Dunn Stores, Eddie Rockus, every fair down that road. Yeah, so in that long town. And what's uh, what's the open day? Do you open six days a week, five days a week? Uh, five days, Tuesday to Saturday. Tuesday to Saturday. Yeah, is, is, is that the thing with um, salons and barbers that don't open Sunday and Monday? Is, is that a tradition or what's the... Yeah, because we work Saturdays. Most people get Saturdays off, so we do Sunday and Monday off. Yeah. What, what would be... Would, would Christmas time be the busiest time of the year? Probably. Oh yeah, definitely. And we open nearly seven days a week in December, like oh, wow. you're flat out and everyone wants their hair done and everyone has the fence on. So have the nice uh, crew cut for Christmas Day and yeah. for work exactly. dues and stuff like that, you know. Um just if 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 people want to book you, is you have a website, I believe. Uh, yeah, we have a website, hairloom.ie. And we also have an app as well, Hairloom McLone, that you can download and book online. Yeah, well, what I do is um, I leave the link, I, I leave the website link in the description of this video and you can go down and have a look. Look, thanks for coming on. Much appreciate the chat and I wish you nothing but success. Not that you don't need me to wish you. You're doing fantastic anyways. I'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye. Aaron Mead, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Mark. How are you? It's, uh, it's great to have you on. The first question I want to ask you is um, about the name of your business, Finn McCool Creations. First of all, what a name, going back to Irish folklore and stuff like that, but I'd be interested to hear why you picked that name. Um, well, I, I became a father about five years ago, and it was around the time that I started uh, thinking about going off my own, and I named my son Finn. And then... Oh, wow. um, and then my my two elder sisters' father, he was called uh, Danny Mack, and he unfortunately passed away a few years back. But he was a massive part of my life, huge part of my life. So because it's actually supposed to be Muck Cool, MCC, but I put Mack okay. in between them. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. for Danny as well. So it's Finn for my son, Mack for Danny, Cool Creations because it is. I love it. Yeah. Uh... you know. I could have been forgiven for thinking it was because of the folklore, but I just had a feeling for some reason that there was more to it than that. Um, great name, fantastic. Look, I suppose, what exactly do you do? So tell me about the, the, the like your, what your day-to-day work would be. What do you make or what do you fix or what do you create? I, but I'm, I'm quite lucky in my, uh, my field. It's, it's quirky carpentry. It's the only really way I had to describe it, really. Quirky carpentry? Quirky carpentry, yeah. Okay. Well, um, like I lay floors and hang doors and stuff like that. That kind of pays the bills, whatever. But I'm a very, very creative person. So I kind of do do my own stuff kind of thing. I'm quite, quite creative when it comes to it. Hence the creation side of the, the name of the company. Um, like I do under stairs storage, bifoldable doors, things like that. And I've done a lot of a lot of work in at home in, in businesses throughout the town. Um, El Coliseo is one of them. Um, Basilico, the the pizza place beside it, um, the back of the Genoa, uh, fine wine um, cafe in town there. Um, I've done lots of work in town. Lots of, I've been in nearly every house I've stayed in at home, I'd say at this point. That, that's, that's like, like sure. the one thing that I will say about you is you have great reviews of people. Um, an awful lot yeah. of people like you, um, and it's obviously they meet you through your work. So 
not only yeah. are you good at what you do, you must have a way about you as well. Um, how, why, why do you think that is like, like it's just as opposed to just going in and doing a job? Why, why do so many people leave good reviews and recommend you and stuff like that? What do you think that boils down to? I think, I think I'm quite down to earth and um, type of person. And you know, like I, I'd come into the house and I, I comment on on how lovely the house is, which most of the time it is, um, and the people and. It, rub the dog and sit down and have a chat with them. I'm a quite open person, you know. So I think that kind of um, lets people at ease with me. And um, I have very good suggestions when it comes to if they want me to do something and I don't really think that it's going to look well, I'll suggest something. And nine times out of ten, uh, that I get that, you know, no bother at all, you know. And that, that's so, very good for people who um, hire you because because you're so open and down to earth, they can feel it's easy to communicate with you and they can tell you what they want and open up. And then as you said, you give them good ideas and all that. And absolutely, yeah, that brings me to one of the, like how <clears throat> it's a question I'm going to be asking all of the time on this. And I know it's kind of a business podcast, but everyone wants to know about the person themselves. So were you always into carpentry? How did you, was it a love from an early age? And I suppose the obvious question is how did you get so good at it? How long did it take? Um, yeah, it was, it was, I've always been interested in carpentry, absolutely 100%, always. Um, it's, it's, it's been a lifetime passion for me. I was always, I was always young for making the huts and the, down the back of the field and finding unusual pieces of timber and keeping them and making lamps out of them and things like that. I was always, always into that. But um, it, was really, it was really secondary school. Um, I just, I don't know, I started doing woodwork in secondary school. And I remember I went up to Mr. White, the teacher that was teaching me in school. And he said to me, he said, you've been off a flare for you. You're very, you're very good at it, like you're very particular. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I asked him, I said, what, what do you have to do? And he was like, well, you have to get the junior cert, and then you do an apprenticeship, and it's four years. And I was like, oh, that's good. And I just kind of went, yeah, that's really it. And I just always knew. And so I started my apprenticeship when I was 18, I think. I think it was just, or maybe I was 17, actually. No, I was 18. I was 18. And then um, with two absolutely amazing guys, they're like big brothers really. They're one of the young sons when you're like 26, 27. And uh, I absolutely loved that. I absolutely loved that. And then the recession kind of came at just at the end of my apprenticeship. So obviously there was no work in it. So I went away from it for a few years, did a bit of sandblasting and, and things like that when, when traveling to India um, for a few months. But it was always here. It was always inside me. I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. And yeah, and I just just decided one day. I said, right, I actually used to make stuff out of pallets many many years ago. Just make dog kennels and things like that. So, yeah. you know, years ago, we were talking about ten years ago. So that was kind of my first taste of um, exposing me my talent, if you want to call it that. You know, because it is quite it is quite revealing. You know, the kind of when you're when you're creating stuff. There's people to see. I have a couple of pictures going up there as you were talking and. As we were talking, and, and it one hundred percent is talent. It was great the way you were able to learn and find a passion early on and continue it, which was carpentry, and it then put that to your creative side as well. And as you said, even when things weren't going well, you still knew that at some stage you'd come back to it. But just to touch on on a separate note, well yeah. done to that teacher. It's amazing the way a small bit of um, encouragement goes a long way with 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 somebody. Um, I, I actually bumped into the to the teacher question there about. Was six or seven months ago in Gandhi's, it hasn't changed a bit. I'm not a bit of change. And uh, he, he recognized me. I was standing there and all the gear, cooking and sawdust. Yeah. I had a big, big logo there, and he came up and put his hand to me back. He actually, I just turned around and he was just like, 
And so I see it stuck out. And I was, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really lovely to see him, really lovely to see him. I missed the watch in the, in the tech at Low Community College. You know? Well, you don't get as good as you are if you don't stick at stuff, you know. But, um, but look, I suppose the, the, the question that I ask other people, and I'm not going to keep you much longer, is that obviously like you don't have an, an, an officer that you're mobile, you're going to places all the time, but are, are you based in Athlone? And if so, how, like what kind of towns or whereabouts, how far would you go out if, if, if somebody wanted to hire you? Um, well, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky, you see, um, because a lot of my work is based in Athlone. I live just, just outside of it. Um, between a little place called Muir and Cornacullah, yeah. my little sanctuary, I love it over there. Lovely spot. Um, yeah, it's a lovely spot. It's really, really quiet. Uh, so a lot of my work is actually in the town, so it's so it's granted at long, but I've done work in Monagar before, kind of more places like that, but I, I don't really um, really have the need, actually, at the moment to, to mm-hmm. travel through there looking, but if I had to, I would, and if the job was big enough or interesting enough, I, I would go, I would go, Mainly the Midlands, mainly the Midlands, to be honest yeah. with you. But it's great, it's great that you're don't have to even worry about that at the moment because you're so busy and alone, which is a testament yeah. to yourself. But just for people, if, if anyone wants to find you, you're on Facebook, aren't you? I'm on Facebook, yeah. I'm going to leave the link to that in the description, like I will for everyone that's on today. If you want to go down and check them out, I would say, look, if the next time you're getting something done to consider, to consider Aaron. Look, I'm going to say to you, thanks for coming on the show. It's much appreciated. And I genuinely wish you nothing but success and I, I love a fella doing grinding and hustling and particularly the fact that you're doing something that you love so well done on that my friend thank you very much thank you very much Mark. it's a pleasure all the best bye-bye so last but not least on the show today we have even a well photography and we have none other than Eva herself welcome to the podcast thank you Mark look thanks for coming on it's a uh, It'd be remiss of me if I don't start with uh, the good news you got um, not too long ago. So you've been not nominated once, you've been nominated twice for the Midlands 103 Customer Service Award. So first of all, congratulations. And Thank you. How did you find out about that or how did it happen? Um, I got a phone call last Friday and then I had to keep it to myself till yesterday till I got the official <laughs> email. <laughs> like uh, you're told you're going to win an Oscar. You can't say it to anybody yeah, else. You can't say it. No, I did tell family, but I wasn't sure. I thought she said I, I had two nominations but I wasn't 100% sure so I didn't want to say I got two until I got the official email <laughs> in case I did only get one but I did get two nominations so what's the categories if you don't mind me asking um photographer slash videographer of the year and wedding photographer slash videographer, videographer of the year and how yeah. like, that must have been <laughs> that must have been like maybe um... photographs for both me now Sorry. No, you're all right, But that must have been great news. Like that's like um not only can you look at a photograph or the customer look at a photograph and think, wow, that's really, really good. Now you have outside other people looking in telling you that you're good. How did that make you feel? Uh, it was unreal because you always get feedback from your clients, but when you get it from judges, you know, that are actually judging your work and yeah. they're willing to put you up with you know the best of the best that's out there. Well, that's a huge honor. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um obviously as people are seeing, I'll have a few photographs coming in between the two of us. And like I I told you when we, we spoke on the phone that I think you're super talented. And I actually genuinely mean that. It was me that approached you and, and I like it's you're really, really good. Genuinely really, really good. But um 
it's, it doesn't mean much if I'm saying it. If judges say it, it means a, a whole lot more. And uh, it brings me to the next question, I suppose, is um, like, you know, I have a camera, I take photographs. Sometimes they look really, really good. And then I see your photographs and realize perhaps mine weren't so good. <laughs> how do you become a professional photographer? How, how long does it take? What's involved in it? And you can take as long as you want to answer this. Yeah, well, for me, I was always the one in your face with the disposable cameras. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your age now. Uh, exactly. And, you know, it's the excitement of having to wait two or three weeks to go down to Joe Sullivan's to see if he even <laughs> got anyone in shot <laughs> or what way they turned out. Um, you know, it always just blows my mind that every click you're you're capturing a moment in time that will never happen again. That moment's gone. It's past. But you have evidence that it happened. You've got memories, you know, and every time you look back on that photograph, it's going to, you know, bring you're going to reminisce you know whether it's people you haven't seen in years or it's maybe family members that you've lost so for me like photography just always blew my mind and I really just only got like really got into it um after I had my daughter and with, with a phone the same as like Paul Moore I went to one of his talks and he had been talking about how he uses his phone for photography so I got the new phone, got it out, and I couldn't believe the, the quality of the pictures that I was taking. Um, downloaded a few apps, tweaked them a little bit, and just went from there. Um, my background is I went to college AIT, and I did graphic design and digital media. Um, I have an honours degree in that, but every project that I did was based on photography. I wasn't good at the graphic design at all. Okay. <laughs> Still not good at it. <clears throat> But I used the photography in all of my projects. And I think that's what got me past it, to be honest. So after I finished college, then, um, yeah, I just, I haven't, ha I, I haven't got the four or five years that a lot of other professionals would have gone through college just with photography. Mm. Um, but I suppose it was just having a good eye and knowing the difference between a good or a bad photograph and I think I'm a bit of a perfectionist if I take a photograph and someone that wouldn't know much about photography sees it and thinks it's amazing I would still see things that are not amazing with it and I'd be comparing that if another professional photographer seen it what would they mm. think and that's the way I kind of look and tweak my photographs yeah that's, it's that's... To get the higher standards that's very interesting. It's like, um, what, uh, like, it's like what you said. You're a perfectionist, but also like you have in mind that like, I'm not just taking a photograph. This is something that in five years, ten years, perhaps twenty years time, someone can look back on and kind of instill a memory that has gone and maybe reminisce on the day as well. I, I often do that, seeing photographs from when I was a child, and go, wow, like, and try to remember what happened that day. And now, obviously, their photographs taken by an uncle or auntie, and they're all over the place. But they wouldn't be as good as your ones. But um, uh. So what kind of events do you do? Like from looking at your um, social media stuff, you do an awful lot of different events. That's correct, isn't it? Well, yeah, I try to get into everything. So um, I started off, it was just photographs of my daughter, landscapes, stuff like that. I did my first wedding then and it was a friend of, a, it was a cousin of a friend and I had never done a wedding before. I had Were bought a second hand, oh, very nervous. I bought a second hand camera. It wasn't a great camera. Wow. Um, 
but I knew a lot of the family that was there so I was able to talk and chat and I was able to you know ask them would it be okay if we try this or is it okay if we try that and it, the photographs turned out great like there was a little bit extra editing in it but yeah. They turned out way better than what I thought, and they were very happy with with the photos. So I think that kind of gave me the confidence boost. Um, in between photo, you know, weddings, I haven't done a lot of weddings so far, but I do love doing weddings. Um, but yeah, I've done communions, a lot of communions. Um, I'm actually doing Jolie's Pub this weekend. They're having a a spree festival, so Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. Um, he's got three different acts on. And I'll be covering that. So that'll be my first live gig event. Mm. Um, that's here in Tullamore. So I'm looking forward to that. So I do try and do a little bit of everything. But I know someday I'm going to have to just hone in and one, one kind of genre and just and stick to that. Like from from your social media, like, like you, you have a lot of different pictures of different things and um like some of your wedding photos are unbelievable you know they're they're really really good like and it's not like uh i i have you on the podcast because i'm saying that I, i'm going to leave your link in the description people can go and check they are really really good so you know um so you said you're based in tonamore um do you do work just mainly around tonamore or would you be willing to travel around the country depending on the job or what way does that work for you well at the moment the majority of my jobs are tonamore or athlone um port leash you know it's in the midlands area um it would depend on the job if it was a wedding in galway or dublin or cork definitely i would go um i would take it on not only because it'd be somewhere different because as i said i haven't done an awful lot of weddings so to have a different location is only going to add to my portfolio um but if it was for a smaller event for like a communion if i'm only going to spend an hour with the clients it wouldn't be worth my while you know, going too far. Yeah, you'd recommend somebody else, I suppose. I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of people that do that, you know. If, if I'm not doing it, nobody's doing it. And that's the idea of this a podcast like that. Like, I have it down on the tagline that we're stronger together. And, you know, it's, um, yeah. you never lose anything by lifting somebody else up, in my opinion. And I hope that that's what we all do over the next weeks and months on this podcast. Get together, everyone that owns a business, share each other's stuff, um, it's free to do so, and it helps everybody. So let's hope we do that. Um, so just a quick question on photography, and it can be a, as blunt with the answer as you like, but is it only a talent or can it be learned? And the reason I'm asking this is I'm sure there will be people watching this who know you're going to be on, think your stuff is really, really good, and would think at some stage, I'd like to do what she does. Maybe someone in Cork, maybe someone in Donegal, maybe someone in Galway. Um, is it just talent only? You seem to have an eye for it from the start, but or can it be learned over time? Do you think? I, for me, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I am. I, I think it is a talent, but it's having an eye for detail. Um, and you can't pick up a camera and just point and shoot. You know, you're never going to get it right the first time. So it is practice, practice, practice. Yeah. And uh, each camera that you get is a new toy. You know, it's new something different you know the quality might be better um you can go to college and you can learn um you know the ins and outs I didn't um so I think it just depends on the person and like that someone could spend four or five years like I did on graphic design and I still can't do graphic design because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no exactly. good at it but 
what came out of it was the photography you know the, I did do it for the photography as part of the course and and that's what that's what came out of it for me so I do think it depends on the person yeah so do go to college and learn but you most certainly have to have an eye as well basically it's uh, if you haven't got an eye so. you kind of can't do it yeah but you do have an eye your photographs as I said are fantastic and people can see them coming up there in the middle I suppose look if people want to contact you, obviously your phone number is on the screen there, but what social media do you normally work off? I think it's Facebook, isn't it? Yeah, Facebook, a Facebook page, um, which is yeah. Eva Noel Photography. Yeah, well, I, I will, the same as everyone else, I'm, all the links of all the guests, um, including Eva, will be in the description if you like what we're talking about. If the next time, perhaps, that you want to get anything got to do with photography, you might consider um, having a look at um, Eva stuff and it's great that people your link will be in the description people go in and can see your work and if they think well I really like her they can contact you then your phone number is there on the screen as well but it's also on your Facebook page as well um, look thanks for coming on the podcast I really appreciate it I, I look as I said to everyone else I wish you nothing but success thank and, you uh, keep up the good work I'll talk to you soon thanks for the opportunity thank no you bye bye